0: Well, good evening. We're here at Air First Baptist again. I'm here with Kenny Rogers, lead pastor at Air, and Patrick McWilliams, one of the members of Air. And today we're going over Matthew 16 versus... Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 19, verses 16 through 30. Yes. And um, just by way of reminder, as I often do, and, and this is the way I framed it as we are praying before or as I was praying before the sermons, but in chapter 18, the disciples that asked Jesus, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus proceeds to, to address the standing of little children, uh, little ones he refers to, and then whoever causes one of these to stumble, he mentions the, the, the gravity of that. He talks about a hundred sheep and uh, one of them going astray and the value of that one that's gone astray. He discusses church discipline and forgiveness and uh, just the value of those things, of reconciling. Um, and then uh, in chapter 19 he starts with... with uh, a discussion on divorce and, and eunuchs. So in, in general, I think the discussion up until this point has been um, members of society or things in society that may be uh, viewed with little value, and he's showing that they do have value, especially and really only through the, uh, through the relationship with God, whether it's through common grace and creation or more especially through, through a salvific relationship with God, right? And, and now as we get into the second half of chapter 19 we're talking um, about the rich young ruler. So uh, to me, it, it kind of changed the, the tone, and it, now he's talking about something that may be overly esteemed by society, somebody that's obviously uh, an esteemed person in the, in the social circles of Jerusalem there, or of Israel, anyway, and, then, uh, and somebody who's also got a lot of money, which often, as you mentioned during your sermons, are attributed to maybe favor by God in a lot mm-hmm. of circles. And... And he goes to show maybe that that is not so much the case, that those don't bring inherent value in and of themselves. Right. How else would you frame this section? I know that we're going we're gonna to tie what you preach today with next week, the, uh, the parable there.
1: Yeah, we, the, the kind of funny little title, I thought, uh, Jesus and the Maximum Wage. The Maximum Wage. And that really ties in next week with the laborers in the vineyard because everybody works and they all get the same pay. Although mm-hmm. some work for all day and some work for an hour. Yeah. So anyway, but it, it's really, this section is about wealth. The last section would have been more about family. Sure. But I did really appreciate what you said as far as how all of that worked together because as you look at the previous section, see so he's talking about insignificant people. He's talking mm-hmm. about disenfranchised people. He's talking about eunuchs who can't even go into the uh, the temple proper because of their mutilation. So, yeah. And then uh, here's a guy that everybody would have respected and thought, you know, this man really is favored by God mm-hmm. because he has much wealth. And, and that's not to say that he wasn't. Sure. In, in the sense that he had material mm-hmm. things and in the sense that he was very privileged to know the scriptures, mm-hmm. to be Jewish by birth. Paul talks about the, the, the advantages that Jewish people had at that time. So he did have a lot of advantages But the thing that he understood that he lacked, which, you know, and Patrick, I just thought of this at this one moment. He understands something the Pharisees don't understand. He knows that he lacks something. Sure. And well, I think we'll yeah. He he knows that he lacks something, but he doesn't know what. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's. uh, I think everybody would have said, he's up and coming. He's he's everything. He's Mm -hmm. Mister Future, and but he wasn't.
0: So let's just start with, uh, as the young ruler approaches Jesus, he does, and you mentioned that in, in past instances, some of the religious leaders have tried to undermine Jesus' message as they approach him, and this right. is not really the case here. It's, mm. it's more of a, he approaches with a bit of reverence there, depending on, you know, which gospel you read, it, it talks about him actually bowing and such. Right. But um, the first thing, the first thing that he says is, teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And, and Jesus responds with, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Why, why is that Jesus' response? I think you kind of touched on it in the sermon today. What is Jesus getting at with, with well, the lack in, of…
1: Well, in the other two Gospels, he, he addresses Jesus as good teacher. Mm. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's only one that is good. Mm-hmm. So the, there's just a, a slight variation here. There's no contradiction. They, they work fine in, in light of each other. Uh, Matthew words it a little bit different. But the, the, the thing is this, the standard that Jesus is going to establish mm-hmm. is absolute perfection. Sure. This man asks, what one good thing do I lack? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is going to point him in the direction that God alone is good and not one good thing that you do, not mm. one good thing that you do will ever give you acceptability with God.
0: Sure. So he set the foundation. He set the things.
1: foundation for for the fact that there needs to be a triumph of grace. He set the foundation for this statement: "What is impossible for men is possible with God."
0: hmm So Patrick, on this one, you know, he has some, you know, to me when I see this, Jesus asking, "Why are you asking me about what is good?" There is only one who is good. This is an opportunity for the rich young ruler to say, "Yes, and 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 you are that one good." god you know you are the true and living christ um but he doesn't so what do you think as as they approach each other in this first encounter
2: Uh, a couple things one um as you mentioned the calling him teacher uh is the word that matthew uses here uh is a lot less lesser lesser of a title as Mm -hmm. others have come up to him and addressed him and Without wanting to read too much into it, just as an argument from silence, uh, we can speculate that this is an indication about how w- how he viewed Jesus mm-hmm. as a teacher, not as Lord or anything like that. Sure. Um, also, I'm not convinced that he does recognize that he lacks something. The way I read this is that he's looking for a vindication. He okay. wants Jesus to say, "Hey, you've done everything. You're good to go." Because, I mean, if if he's that blind to his own shortcomings that he says that he kept all those commandments, like, he thinks he's it.
0: Okay, well, let me let me, let me take it and, and go with that then. Because in verse 18, you know, well, his response is there's only one um, good thing. And then he says, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments, right? That's what Jesus said. And then the rich ruler responds with, which ones? So my question for that, which ones, is is it presumptive the way that, that you're presenting it there? Or on the other side, is he earnestly asking, I, I understand there are the, all the commandments. Am I getting one of them wrong? Because you could take it both ways.
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I, th- I think he does understand that there's a lack because he, he pushes the issue. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just stop when Jesus says, keep the commandments. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I do think what you're saying is true. There is no doubt that he wants vindication. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that he wants an attaboy yeah. from Jesus. Mm-hmm. No doubt whatsoever. But I, I, I'll tell you something else that I didn't mention, but I mentioned this morning with the whole uh, MacGuffin thing. The MacGuffin, yep. Is that he is sincere in the sense that he, he says teacher, not Lord. Mm-hmm. Really, it's kind <laughs> of even, even not quite rabbi. Mm. Uh, he, he's not giving full do here, and why he bows is kind of a question. But his question is not to trip Jesus, but again, I think to make himself look good and to to say, well, maybe I have checked every box. Maybe Jesus couldn't find anything wrong with him. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what he was hoping for. Okay. And
0: Patrick, you take it more of a, no, I I think I'm good, but... uh but tell me otherwise, or how would you frame that?
2: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, that's just that's just kind of how uh, maybe that's just how I've always read it, and I'm reading my own assumptions into it. But I, mean, I think based on the way it ends, the way that he's ultimately mm-hmm. unwilling to hear what Jesus has to say, sure. and, and and goes away sad, yeah. is he was getting an answer that he
1: didn't want. He didn't yeah. want one more thing to do. He wanted to be told that he was good.
0: So it does ultimately. Y-
1: you know. When, to his when heart. you read the other versions too thing that always intrigues me about this is what the Bible says Jesus felt about that man. Mm -hmm. Jesus had, he, 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 his heart went out to that man. Mm -hmm. That's, that's very interesting. I mean, you don't see that with the Pharisees. Uh, No, I don't think you ever see that with the Pharisees. He Mm -hmm. says, you know, I'm, I'm concealing the truth from you. I'm speaking in parables so you won't understand. Yeah. And in a sense, he doesn't come right out in the text and tell this young man. He just hints at everything. He does, yeah. And, uh, but there, there's really a difference between this man's posture and his question and Jesus' response to him mm-hmm. and the way the Pharisees ask questions and why they ask questions, even though I think they, they were like, in, in a sense, they wanted vindication as well. They, They wanted to be... At least uh, at one time for Jesus to say, ah, "You know, I've messed up. I'm sorry," mm-hmm. but he never did.
0: Well, let's go with the uh, in, during the sermon. You, pres- you you mentioned that Jesus, when he talked about the commandments, presented them in a particular order. And I'm not sure that I have that uh, note with me here.
1: It's six, seven, eight, nine, five.
0: Sure. And so, do you think that that points? towards what we're talking about here, whether or not the, the person was being presumptive or, or knew that he was lacking something. But it, it almost appears that he's framing it to save the shortcoming that they both understand about the rich young ruler until last.
1: So that's intriguing to me why Jesus doesn't bring up the one about coveting. Mm-hmm. Because, if, you know, that would be like the hardest commandment to say, well, I haven't done that one. Mm-hmm. Because that's in a commandment of those last five, that's a commandment that, that is not about behavior, it's about thought. Sure. And so, I mean, I think Jesus was, Jesus is finessing the situation because Jesus knows exactly where he's going to take this. So mm-hmm. he, he, I think he just avoids 10 because it would have brought on a lot of discussion. Okay. Um, and like, sure,
0: and he presents it in a different yeah. narrative sort yeah, of Yeah, i like to hear what, Patrick, you talk about that. Yeah,
1: yeah well, so um,
2: if we talk about the first and second tables of the law, when we we're talking about the Ten Commandments, you have yeah. the first few that deal with mm-hmm. man's relationship to God and then mm-hmm. the rest of them that deal with man's relationship to, uh, to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes those two tables are summarized as the, you know, the greatest commandment, the second sure. greatest commandment, you know, love the Lord your God with all mm-hmm. your heart, etc., uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. So everything that Jesus says here um, is, o- is only focusing on the second table. He's only talking about mm-hmm. his relationship there. And, I mean, ultimately, he does, you know, you have to give away all your stuff. Yeah. Which, I mean, could be easily turned around or rephrased into, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an expression of, the 10th the commandment about not sure. coveting. Um,
0: or even, you shall have no other gods before
1: me, right? Right. But, well, it does it does turn to that one,
2: but not mm-hmm. at this point. Right, yep. because, yeah. because the implication is like, you can't even take keep the second table mm-hmm. and the second greatest commandment. If you can't do that, you definitely can't keep you can't the first. Keep the first table, yeah. sure.
1: And he's going to mention that very summation in the text, mm-hmm. loving your neighbor. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that the uh, rich young ruler had heard or heard of the Sermon on the Mount? It, it seems a little strange <laughs> that that a, uh, a synagogue leader would be coming with questions on salvation. I don't know.
1: And yeah. uh, another another gospel tells us that he is a ruler, so he, he apparently does have some position of authority. That's a great question, but I don't know the answer. Yeah, yeah. If he if he did. I would say if he if he was aware of it, then he's either challenging Jesus' authority, mm-hmm. or he's just naive. Because sure. well, the way Jesus presents it, there's no way he's going to stand there and yeah. say, "I've kept all the commandments."
0: Yeah, you shall not commit murder. Right. You, you know. Don't yeah.
1: don't don't have hatred in your heart. Exactly. Right. If if
2: he if he heard it, he wasn't listening to to exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah, it didn't sink in if, no. if, at
0: the very minimum.
1: That's a great question, though.
0: One one of the things you mentioned during your sermon is that. Uh, and you said it a couple different ways, but it, this is a paraphrase. It's, it's, uh, it's not what, uh, what you possess, but what possesses you that matters, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they use the rich young ruler because it's an easy example. He does possess a lot of wealth, and it appears that it, it also possesses him. Um, if you have no wealth, are you safe, or, or can, can you be broke and still be possessed by wealth?
1: Can you be broke and still possessed by wealth? Yeah. That's, Absolutely. Because you can be so obsessed with attaining
0: mm-hmm.
1: that that you would sell your soul to attain. Sure. So, yeah, I don't I don't think your your economic status is an indication of your spiritual state. Sure.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, and, and historically, things like the monastic movement can have kind of hinted at that sort of thing, but it's it's kind of a tricky road to go down.
1: It really is, mm-hmm. and uh, because again, you're you're substituting something for grace mm-hmm. i mean if, if if poverty is an in and of itself then that's an in and of itself it's a work yeah okay so i, I think that it's a, a very dangerous thing to try to judge your spiritual life by your economic status mm-hmm. however in your disposition towards god and in, in in finding joy in christ i don't think you can be possessed by things mm-hmm. i really don't
0: yeah patrick
2: yeah um my wife Mackenzie and I were just having a conversation just yesterday um about the, how there's a tendency to uh for people to have both both ends of the the pendulum where they can look at their own material blessings that they have. And they see that as a confirmation of their own faithfulness. Mm-hmm. They say, "Well, I, I'm, I must be doing something right because God is blessing me with all sure. this kind of stuff. I'm right. mm-hmm. uh, favor then, with God, yeah. right?" And then, but then there's people who swing the other direction where they find, they equate poverty with piety. Mm-hmm. So they think, if I have this stuff, sure. I really shouldn't. I should be giving it away. Sure. And they point to passages like Much this. Much more Catholic view on it, <laughs> right? And say, so, "You know, so I." If God's given me this, I have to immediately give it away or mm-hmm. else I'm, I'm being greedy or people are going to think that I'm hoarding stuff and I'm not, you know, that kind of thing when we, I, I disagree with both of those positions. Sure. Yeah, I do too.
0: Yeah, it's a, a, yeah. And, and the book of Matthew obviously is constantly comparing uh, lesser goods versus greater goods and often right. the physical is, is, is distinct from the spiritual and, and most and, of the and, lessons. And
1: money is amoral money has no morality Absolutely. in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a thing. It's an object. And what you do with it is what makes it.
0: Yeah. So as we get into, uh, into verse 24, 25 there, um, after Jesus says, um, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples, they respond with, then who can be saved? Are they asserting that, that if it's this difficult for a rich person to be saved, then surely it's even harder for poor people or what, what do they mean by that? Then, then who can be saved?
1: I I think they, they think that because I think it's a, it's a a challenge to their worldview again, that wealthy people have God's grace. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if this guy, if this guy can't get in, he's obviously a good guy. Sure, He's got his
0: things together. He's
1: got his stuff together. He's obviously a good guy. If this guy can't make it, who can make it?
0: Who can make it? Yep. Yeah. Patrick, do you think this is st- Jesus continuing to try to educate them on their flawed value system? Or?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah,
2: they, they saw this person as they're, they're they're accustomed to seeing wealth tied to you know
1: God's favor because that's what they're that's what they're being taught. You, know? mm-hmm. you know, no, no matter what the disciples thought about this man and really what his approach to Jesus was when they saw him approach Jesus and and pay him respect yeah which is, I think that's a, a good term they just, he, mm-hmm. he's paid respect to Jesus mm-hmm. I think that really had to make the disciples feel good sure and then to see that man turned away turned away yeah they're like yeah. What in the world? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah what are you doing? We need that guy. On we could have had yeah. that guy on our team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would say they were exceedingly amazed. They were. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. They were exceedingly <laughs> right. amazed. Don't you love that too? They, they weren't just amazed. They were exceedingly. They were exceedingly amazed, amazed. Were exceedingly yeah. amazed. and he was not just sorrowful. He was grievously. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was grieved.
0: Yeah, quite the emotional roller coaster there. Mm-hmm. So uh, Peter says. You know, in response to all of this, um, Peter says, behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? Do you see any progression between this question and the previous uh, beginning of chapter 18 where they ask, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Not a lot. Not a lot.
1: Not <laughs> right? a lot. I mean, it he's, seems like a different uh, he, he, formation. He's still, consider- he's still concerned with what are we going to get out of all this mm-hmm. investment?
2: So I want to give Peter the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, um, and I think that this question is tied directly to him hearing Jesus saying to uh, to the rich young man, um, "If you give you sell everything you have and you give it to the poor, you're going to have treasure in heaven and come and follow me." And Peter hears this and says, and looks around at him and his fellow disciples, and they see like we have we have we've left our house we've left our livelihood we've left everything like what is this treasure in heaven that we're actually going to get mm-hmm. you know and i i mean I, if i put myself in that situation i'd be curious too like what yeah like you know we're
1: following you we believe in you but but yeah. what are you talking about here i think jesus gives them the benefit of the doubt because he doesn't chide them he doesn't yeah. and i made a point of that in the sermon he 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 doesn't say what are you <laughs> will you ever learn but i think they're still struggling and you see that in the next section. You sure do, yep. yeah. Yeah, when the, the, when the mother of James and John come yep. and ask, the Hey, can my, can my sons have special favor? Where, where are my sons going to yep. sit? Oh, yeah. So she essentially yeah. asks it the third time. It, it, is, it is a struggle for them, but I, I think Jesus is giving them the benefit of the doubt <laughs> because here's the fact. They have believed Jesus, and they have followed him. Yes. But they, to that point, still do not understand mm-hmm. how much of that is... God's doing and not their own.
0: Yeah. Well, in some ways it seems to close, you know, the, the asking of the same or similar questions three times, it ends up closing with Jesus asking them, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Yeah. And then it, it, it's really kind of, hey, do you get it?
1: Mm-hmm. And because I'm not it's sure going to be they... the, the, third, the third passion uh, prediction is coming up after all of this. Actually, after Zebedee and uh, the sons of Zebedee have their, their mother asked for that. Sure. That's when yeah, That's when he says that. So, yeah, it's it's tough for them. It's certainly, I mean, by you put the yourself in this, their place. Uh, it is tough for them. Like there, all of their values are being turned upside down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's obviously they're and still it's hoping. Like, it's like
1: Patrick said too. Even their concept of heaven. I mean, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I think that maybe that's why Patrick he says. You're going to sit on 12 thrones, or, well, that, or not, uh, not 12 thrones, but did you're going to sit in judgment of Israel, you know, mm-hmm. to give them some idea of the importance of what they're doing.
0: And so what are, what are the 12 thrones then, and, and what is Israel?
1: What do you think, Patrick? <laughs> yeah, and you, I, I can
0: read the passage real quick. Uh, yeah. Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne... You also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel.
1: There's a very good probability I'm going to agree with him on this. Okay.
2: That you're going to agree? Yeah, I, I was going to so. say, you're letting me, for, me go, go first. So yeah. You can be Just the sit. contrarian yeah. this time. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it, it's interesting because uh, how you read this verse can vary wildly uh, based on what translation you have. Um, so at the renewal of all things... and it's talking about a specific time period that's presumably in the future, this is going to happen. Uh, One of the things in Greek is that you can switch around the word order a lot and not affect the meaning of the sentence, which makes sometimes translations uh, can potentially get it wrong. Uh, It's all about the endings. uh, Yeah. uh, So the way I've got it written here uh, says, ye which have followed me... Comma in the regeneration when the son of man shall sit on the throne of his glory Um, But if you take that comma out because there's no commas or punctuation marks in Greek um, It could also be read you which have followed me in the regeneration This will this will happen so it's not necessarily talking about a a future time period Mm. Um, So uh, a lot of commentators um, John Calvin John Gill among them uh, the way they understand this verse is talking about you guys, basically. Um, you 12 who have, who have followed me in this like yeah. beginning part of this regeneration where we're starting this new era here, okay. the church. Um, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, and they take that as referring to His ascension, ascension. like okay. right after His crucifixion and resurrection, mm-hmm. um, you will sit upon twelve thrones, and these thrones are taken as being figurative, okay. and they will judge the twelve tribes of Israel, which they do by um, exposing the sin of unbelief. Okay. And yeah. so, you know, they, they point about, about so kind of an signature. argument for
0: apostolic succession type of foundations well, there uh, almost.
1: Maybe not apostolic uh, succession, but apostolic authority.
0: Authority, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm, yeah. authority. But then that's kind of the yeah. the wellspring that, that brought yeah. that upon later on. I,
1: I think I think that's a good way to read it. I don't have a, I mean, I'm not opposed to that view myself. The other way to read it though, is that in the regeneration, uh, he, it very well could be talking about the end of time. And if it is, then they have yeah. some specific task at that time as well. Sure. I, I don't, I don't know that you can see that. I, and I think how you take, maybe what, maybe your eschatology will, will flavor how mm. you take that a great mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, I think <laughs> so.
0: And then as we always say, could, also have a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. Right? <laughs> I guess that's true. That, that's
1: true, and, and because they don't have to literally sit on twelve thrones and, mm-hmm. and judge Israel. Yeah, well, some would say Israel's judged in seventy A.D.
2: Mm.
1: You know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there. All, <laughs> all I'm saying, and all I said this morning, the reason I was non-committal, and I'm even non-committal now. Uh, here, here are two good positions. I actually like,
2: yeah, I like his position.
1: Yeah. I, I do, but I'm just saying there is another position here yeah. that could be true, mm-hmm. and it might even be like you're saying. It mm-hmm. could be some of both.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, it ends with, uh, many who are first will be last, and the last first. Who are they talking about? What does this mean?
1: I just I just think it's the radical modus operandi of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes back to what Jesus has said about the children and all the rest i mean mm-hmm. if you're if you're clamoring to 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 lay hold of something to see yeah. something then you've missed it because it's not the way it comes it, it's it's even like their discipleship if they would just and i'm sure they thought about this later they did not ask for this job mm-hmm. and they didn't get the job and keep the job because they were really sharp at it yeah they got the job because Jesus called them and they kept the job because Jesus kept them except for one.
2: Yeah. Patrick? Yeah, I think, um, I think it ties the whole pericope together, starting with verse 16, uh, with the whole story about the rich young ruler as well, as well as the, the following conversation. And it's just basically like what's going to end. God's plan often subverts our expectations. Mm-hmm. Yes. What we expect is going to happen or this would be the best plan often is the exact opposite of what God has uh, in store because our expectations, I mean, their expectations about tying wealth to favor, for example, that was shown to be an incorrect assumption. I think, I think he's, he's talking about the same kind of thing.
1: I do too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: So
0: this, this rich young ruler came up to Jesus and. I think right off the bat, the first thing that I see is that he doesn't realize that Jesus is God. Yep. And then his second uh, flaw is that he doesn't realize that he's missed the mark, he's sinned. If, if you're asked, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life, how do you answer that now? Nothing. Sure.
1: There's nothing you can do. The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. When, when the Holy Spirit invites you to come to Christ, and you realize that He is a Savior, that He died in your place, then you receive Him by faith. That's the only way for life. In, sure. this life in this world and in the world to come.
0: Sure. Sinners before a holy God exactly. with one way to salvation through exactly. Christ on the cross. Absolutely. Patrick, anything
2: else? Yeah. Um, I'll just say there's, there's, there's more than one way to, to get this passage wrong. Uh, and I think you know some are more obvious to us than others Um, I have seen I've heard some other more relatively sound preachers that seem to they they get they follow it up to a certain point but then when the rich young ruler says all right I've done all this kind of stuff what else do I need to do yeah, they take that second part it's like all right, take all you have, sell it, and come follow me. They take this as Jesus giving him like the real answer mm. there, mm. so and it's saying like basically they're sure. they're saying oh oh Jesus is just saying he needs to repent and follow. They
0: him. take it literally, yeah, yeah, and
2: and he doesn't do that, but I think that still continues to miss the point of the passage because what that does is turns repentance into a work. Yes, sure, and I mean, and that can be that can be the danger in. Uh, you know, in churches of the Reformation that, that preach faith alone, and they are very um, firm on that. Mm. But then they, they end up, they, they, the tendency for, for mankind, sinful man, is to always want to earn his way.
1: Yeah, and, and make faith and, the work. And they
2: they they will say faith alone and grace alone but they'll still somehow turn faith into like well this is like the only work that will get me there. Right. Hmm. Rather than something that is passive where they receive something purely through
1: You faith. know I used to hear Patrick. I would ask, "Okay, how is faith how is faith not earning it?" They would say, "Well, faith is the only thing you can do without doing anything." And I'm like that's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it really is.
0: Yeah. Well, did anything stand out to you as you prepared this for the first time or in a different way?
1: Just, uh, again, the standard that Jesus sets, and that, that, exactly what Patrick is saying, that this is not a passage that explains faith as a work, but that this is all about what is impossible for men is only possible with God. Mm-hmm. And I think the disciples, just the, the the continuing lesson for the disciples that they're not getting at the time, but they're they're going to get that that really stands out to me as well. Mm-hmm. It really does.
0: Anything else that stood out to you, Patrick?
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's
2: probably the main the main takeaway is that you know that this is this is all of grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's not. It's not anything that we can do to earn favor with God. And yep. any, any favor that we are shown in terms of material stuff is not, it
1: doesn't tie sure. tie into. And the, the parable that comes up next makes that makes mm-hmm, it, yep. exclamation
0: point. Kinda, it does, yeah. yeah. And really following everything that he's been talking about the last two chapters there, it shows the, the inclusiveness of the grace, but the exclusiveness you know, if you try to find a way other than Jesus there.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Well, time is running short. I, you, I know that you're going to be preaching. You're going to slow down just a little bit on the ex, exposition of uh, Matthew as we go into Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, be preaching on the labors in the vineyard there
1: Yep. next. Just, just that parable next week. Just
0: the parable. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, that parable ends with the same verse, only inverted, that this particular section ends. With the first shall be last, right. and the last shall be 1st
0: I we'll look forward to it. You want to close this with a word of prayer? Sure.
1: Father, I thank you for this time we have together tonight to to study your word uh, with depth and to try to bring light to what is being said here, to, to discuss this with these brothers. Lord, it's been such a blessing tonight. And I just thank you for Patrick and for his insight to this text, and I thank you for Eric and just for the wonderful way he brings the questions each week and, and discusses these things with us and brings truth to light. And I just pray that you would continue to bless this, bless those who see it, and bless our conversation tonight as we continue. In Christ's name, amen.